Welcome to episode 85 of the Half Point for Podcast. I am your host, Evan Riggs, joined as always by my co-host, Dalton Willie. No producer Johnny Fam today. You know, Dalton, I, I thought that this kickball season of Johnny's was over when we were making fun of it with him last time he was on, but it is it is just never ending. The kid is in the most intense kickball league of all time. So just a duet. With the two of us tonight, Dalton, how are you on this Wednesday evening? I'm um, I'm doing good. Uh, power rankings are starting to put the Chiefs number one, so I know the NFL's set right back on course. <laughs> At um, least number two, number one, number two. That pretty much is yeah. the consensus right now. What cracks me up is this kickball league's like baseball. Like, I think <laughs> baseball season's over and it's still on. You go to the bar, it's still on, and Johnny's the same way. He's like, oh, I've had kickball since March. Like. <laughs> No, no worries. If anyone's catching the YouTube live, or even if you're listening back, we will not cut away from this broadcast to put Johnny on a second screen, uh, a la Aaron Judge. We we won't have a live look in on the kickball game. Instead, Dalton, you know, I'm pretty fired up to be here. I, actually, you know what? Just just because I I said that, I've got to. I gotta say, I'm just fired up to be here today. It's pretty cool. Pretty damn cool. Did you watch his his speech that he gave to Seattle during the preseason game the other night, Steve Ballmer? I didn't, but I'm sure it was high. You you must. It is like the funniest minute of that, that I've seen in a long time. There has been a lot that has happened since we last talked. We didn't have a proper waiver show on Monday. We just did a quick TikTok and YouTube short video. There are a lot of situations in flux, more so than when we last spoke. And there are a lot that have kind of been in process. This whole time. And we're going to talk about 10 of them. We've got 10 backfields. We are going to just run through them one by one. And I thought it'd be interesting if we gave a transaction for each backfield. That can be saying you're going to start somebody. That you're not starting anybody. You're starting everybody. Or if you're looking to trade a guy. You know, trade four sell whatever the case may be pretty open-ended i thought we could go leave us both some space to go a lot of different directions and i think obviously where we have to start is the denver broncos i mean talk about a backfield that is probably the story of fantasy football right now first and foremost because javante williams very unfortunately Tears his ACL and I think as we were talking about before this, his LCL. So he is out for at least this whole season, obviously. And then next year is still TBD, uh, I think, at this point as well. What makes it even more complicated is that Melvin Gordon has been very much up and down. And there's been more downs than ups. Uh, There's been more fumbles than touchdowns. There's been a a lot of bad for Melvin Gordon so far this year. Uh, Mike Boone. Uh, a journeyman in the NFL drops a couple of big passes down the stretch has been mostly okay and limited chances, but this backfield is really, really wide open. I think if this injury happened before the season, we would just be penciling in Melvin Gordon as a top 20 back and not really thinking too hard about Mike Boone other than as a change of pace guy. And that could still be the case, but Dalton, what what are your thoughts on this backfield? What 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 would be your your transaction with with the Denver Broncos backfield right now? Well, I think this it starts off with the fact that Denver's just bad. Yeah. Like offensively, this team is just not gelling. Um, before last week's game, 
Cecil Lamby and Benjamin Albright, who are two beat reporters for the Denver Broncos and usually pretty dialed in with that team, were saying that Melvin Gordon was a potential cut candidate because he had unimpressed the coaching staff so much. Mm -hmm. His EPA per rush has not been very bad lately. And overall, there were major concerns about it. And then Melvin Gordon gets benched after the Javante Williams injury for Mike Boone just because he wasn't handling the ball well. I think he finished his day with negative fantasy points yep. despite that injury. Which, he did because yeah. he fumbled negative 1.3 and half uh, point per reception. I think it was three carries for seven yards and one fumble. Not good. And then Mike Boone has been a journeyman. He's somebody definitely fantasy Twitter loves. Definitely been a preseason hero. Um, do you remember had... when, do you remember the, the big Mike Boone moment? I think it was 2018 championship week. No Dalvin Cook, no Alexander Madison. This is the guy, Dalton, that you can go get off waivers and win you your title. What was it, five points. He I put think up? I think he had like fifteen rushes for forty-one yards or like some, something along along those lines. So I like Mike Boone, but it's not like Mike Boone is this guy that you're like okay, this guy is a killer. He just needed a chance. He's got all this raw talent and he's been buried behind guys. So that that just complicates things even more. No. And from an organizational standpoint, I mean, I think the answer to this injury is you pass more, despite how mm-hmm. poor your passing game has been. Uh, so when it comes to this backfield, I'm probably selling. But with that being said, if I owned Melvin Gordon and I got him in the 12th round, I'm feeling pretty good because mm-hmm. he's going to be a weekly starter until he's not. I, I still think it's going to be hard for Mike Boone to really challenge him for that starter role. Mm-hmm. There's certainly potential for him to take it, and this could be a split backfield. But I think Melvin Gordon still has the goal line work. A couple more fumbles, and he might be on his way looking outside in. For sure. But fumbles can change everything quickly for, for Gordon if, if they continue. Yeah. What I don't want to do is repeat last year and just be on the dust of Latavius Murray like we were with the Ravens for six weeks. Yeah. I, I, do I don't really get people caring too much about Latavius Murray uh, going there. He, he looked good last week. He looked good at some points with the Ravens. It's not going to last this season, I don't think. Um, the fumbling is like Gordon has always been a fumbler, but he has four fumbles in his last four games. I believe he had four fumbles all of last season, which also ranked fairly high in the NFL last year. But he, the fumbling has been like unsustainably bad. So I, you would hope that he would get that straightened out. It, it's interesting. I, I was doing a lot of searching today for any breadcrumbs to figure out what in the world to do with this situation. And I feel like we're getting a lot of positive Melvin Gordon buzz from the national media, from the beat writers that, and I I believe their offensive coordinator even said like he, he's going to be the lead guy and we're going to mix in Mike Boone. Um, So I would expect a a committee with, with Gordon leading the way to start. And so I think you just have to hold everybody. Like, Mike Boone wasn't on your roster before this week. If you picked him up, don't start him. You're just holding him. And then Melvin Gordon, you're probably starting him this week. I would love, like, if you drafted him in the in the 12th round, 11th round, you might have the luxury of waiting a week. And if you do, would totally recommend doing that. But, again... He's going to be a top 24 ranked running back for most people this week. So I feel like you're probably going to have to start him in a lot of situations. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I I agree with you. This is a hold for the backfield. I'm not going to actively sell any guys because I think the ambiguity leads to you losing some value. Uh, But I'm also not going to trade for them because I think 
the ambiguity could also lead to you having a very poor trade in the other. And and you mentioned um, you mentioned having to pass the ball more. Well, if they have to pass the ball more, I think we know which of these two running backs is going to be better in the passing game. I mean, Boone had had a couple of big drops. He basically has been a complete zero in the mm-hmm. passing game throughout his entire career, which has been five years and not that much volume, but he has almost 80 rushes and something like nine receptions in his career. He, he's just never been trusted with much passing game work, which is why he's never gotten on the field as an ancillary piece, because as an ancillary piece, that is how you get on the field is you be a, a guy that is trusted in the passing game. So I, I, I still, I think Gordon's going to lead the way I'm holding this week, not starting if I don't have to, but I totally concede that you may have to start Melvin Gordon in our dynasty league. I may have to start Melvin Gordon yeah. this week. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a murky situation. Your best bet is that this offense picks up after the buy and they figure some things out and then both guys return value. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, Palmer, I can't think of his first name, went on TV today and, and talked about how Melvin Gordon has talked a lot throughout his career that he, even clear back when he was with the Chargers, that the more, like basically when he's the lead guy, he's a rhythm back and can get more comfortable and get more in the games. We'll see if that holds true still. Um, and then last thing, this offensive line is just going to have to be better for either of these backs to really be too valuable. Even Gordon is the lead guy. They rank right now as a rushing unit, 27th in the NFL in yards per carry before contact. That That's just not going to get the job done, even if you're Saquon Barkley. Like, Barkley could do a little bit with that, but not not a ton. And Melvin Gordon and Mike Boone are not going to do a whole lot with that. So the offensive line's got to improve, but obviously a situation that was top of mind this week. And then the other uh, waiver wire spot for backs this week, Dalton, was the Atlanta Falcons. We have Cordero Patterson goes down with a, I guess, I don't even know, some kind of knee injury. I still haven't seen what the actual injury was, but he had some kind of cleanup procedure, which I hate to speculate, but kind of leads me to think maybe a meniscus, maybe just had a knee drain or something like that. He's going to be out four weeks, it sounds like, got put on the IR, should be back um, in about a month. But right now, we've got Damon Williams still on the IR. We have rookie Tyler Algier. And we have fellow rookie Caleb Huntley, who was undrafted, cut from the team, and brought up from the practice squad after the Damian Williams injury. And I'll go first on this one. I think you and I are actually going to be in the same boat here, but I'm curious because we both follow the same NFL draft guys. I think we both have the same opinion on Algier. I'm trading him because I really don't think his value is going to be higher than it is right now because I don't think he's very good. Uh, and I listened to Matt Waldman talk about him after the game the other day when he had 10 carries. And I don't know if you listened to him too. He was thoroughly unimpressed. Uh, and Chris Harris thought that Huntley looked like the better of these two backs. So I'm holding Huntley and just waiting to to see what happens. He He's a big guy. He could be the goal line back between these two and Algier more of the pass catcher. But I just don't think Algier is, is very good. I think his value is only going to go down as we see him play, most likely. And Damian Williams is going to be back in two weeks, I think, off the IR. He could very well be the lead back for the next two weeks until Cordell comes back. That, that's kind of my read on the situation. 
Yeah. So I'm pretty in agreement with you. I'm selling Algier. I'm hoping none of our listeners went and picked him up and spent significant fab on him. Mm -hmm. He was an okay gap runner in college. Uh, the Falcons are running his own scheme. Arthur Bryan or Arthur Smith has run his own scheme since he was in Tennessee. It's just the way he plays football. When you have a mismatch like that, you would hope that a guy's athleticism can help fix that. Unfortunately, Algiers not an athletic back. Um, Hutley also profiles for some of those high value touches. He's probably the goal line back. He's going to be in some more of the passing downs. And if I'm doing anything here, I'm grabbing Damian Williams. I'm putting him in my IR spot if I have him, or if I have roster depth, I'm putting him on the bottom bench spot and I'm just waiting because hmm. he's probably the best back here. And even in week three last week, you saw they didn't want Cordero Patterson being rolled out significantly. They rolled back his touches. That's because he's a weapon and they use him in that way. Uh, this is a backfield I don't want to talk myself into at all. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go crazy and start buying guys. The Falcons are second in the NFL in rush attempts. And as the season goes on, that wears on a team. More defenses are going to play that. And Marcus Mariota is not a good passer. They're going to try to force him to throw the ball more and start giving them stacked box looks. So I'm not going to buy this on a pure you know, these guys are going to get a ton of touches play either. I just think it's a bad team. They're going to get worse. And the only player I want off of this really is Damian Williams because I think he's essentially free right now. Yep. And my thoughts on Algier, I agree with you on Williams just because you can go pick him up for nothing because he's still out for two more weeks if he's not already on someone else's IR right now, depending on your league settings. Um, if I can trade Algier for somebody who can be – a fixture, you may not get someone who will be a fixture in your lineups, but someone who will be a fixture in your decision-making process for your lineups, if that makes sense, at least somebody in the mix. But you, you just it's just hard for me to say on a league-to-league -league basis because there are so many fantasy managers who are so reactionary. Like, I'll, I'll, we'll get to this question in the chat in a minute. I know it's a 10-team league, but you've got A.J. Dillon and Kyle Pitts on the waiver wire of a 10-team league in, in this guy's question in the chat. So like, could you trade Tyler Algier for Cam Akers for DJ Moore, like two of the biggest busts so far and just pray that it turns around later in the season for that team that is probably in a bad spot and looking for a spot start. They're not incredibly frustrated with right now. Like maybe. Well, do you remember Travis Fulgham? <laughs> yes, exactly. Barely. That's like four weeks. He was a wide receiver one. And then he fell off the earth. And anybody who like knew anything about football said he was, a, he was a flash in the pan like he didn't separate like he needed to and all of the things that you don't want in a wide receiver. And that's one of those examples where you need to be able to sell on guys who just aren't actually talented. Mm -hmm. um, the question that I mentioned, basically in a 10-team league, both A.J. Dillon and Kyle Pitts were dropped. He, he listed his tight ends and running backs here. He's asking which of Dylan and Pitt should he snag? He has top waiver priority. I'm going Dylan. I am pretty concerned with Kyle Pitts at this point. He may not play this week. He's got the hamstring he's dealing with, and I still would rather bulk up on running back than than tight end. And I again, you talk about the Falcons being a bad team. Kyle Pitts is the number one uh, guy that you look at suffering with with that right now. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you also have Zach Ertz as your tight end, who's like the tight end three in yeah. fantasy right now and has a massive target share. Um, A.J. Dillon is one injury away from like a top five running back potential yep. in that Packers offense. Uh, and if you need a guy to drop, I mean, I'd probably drop Akers or Etienne off that team pretty easily. Yeah, I think I, AJ, I would drop Akers if I had yeah. the pick right now. 
yeah, I think uh, I would definitely grab AJ Dillon. Uh, he's going to return value. And as it gets colder in Lambeau, I know that's a silly thing to think, <laughs> but they're going to run the ball more. It's just how Green Bay plays, and he's going to definitely be a beneficiary of it. And then a second question from Trey, last one here. Trust Russell Wilson tomorrow or roll out Kirk Cousins this week? Uh, I'm probably trusting Russell Wilson. Part of that is that Gus Bradley runs a very beneficial defense to deep shots. That's why I liked the Chiefs to beat the Colts two weeks ago. Yeah, we saw um, that way. But it, it, it benefits Russell Wilson's play style, and he doesn't change out of that like cover three formation he runs all game. So there's a real opportunity for some deep shots. And I just don't know if the Colts will be able to keep the ball in their hands without Jonathan Taylor and, and give a lot of opportunity to Russell. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Vikings play the Bears this week. So you can see that game going either – the Vikings put up a ton of numbers and blow them out, and Kirk Cousins has a big game. Or you could see Dalvin Cook and company kind of roll over them, and Kirk Cousins isn't really needed for for a huge day. As crazy as it sounds with his up and down as Russ has been, I think he's probably safer. So it depends a little bit on your, your team construction and your opponent, and if you're shooting for upside. But I, I would trust Russell Wilson more this week. And... To the Jets, Dalton. Uh, oof. This is another one that is turning right now. Uh, Michael Carter was the lead guy to start the season. I don't think either of us thought that would last. But I think this has turned to more toward Brees Hall quicker than we both would have expected, I think. Um, what are you doing with this Jets backfield right now? Uh, one... And I know this is like such a cop-out answer. I really don't like any Jet player but Garris Wilson and maybe Tyler Conklin right now with Zach Wilson in that lineup. I think he sucks. Um, he does. He actually looked like okay the other day, but yeah. Yeah, against a very bad Steelers team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but So that's my first takeaway. Uh, I'm probably selling Michael Carter at this point. The big sell for me on him when I wanted him was he was running all the routes and playing in the third down situations. Yep. Since then, Brees Hall has really taken over that position, which is a big bump to Brees Hall's value. If I have Brees Hall, I'm probably holding him because I think as a Jets back, he's still undervalued. Uh, I'm not going to go out and buy Brees Hall, though. I think that that's something I still want to wait and see. See, I think I am going out to buy Brees Hall because he hasn't had the explosion game yet, and all, all of the underlying usage is there. I know the situation sucks, but... Brees is the type of back. He has the highest percent of 10 yard or more rushes in the league through four weeks. He he can bust enough big plays to to overcome a bad situation, still be okay for fantasy. And I think there will be a blow up week at some point. Like there is with most very talented rookies, where you get to that kind of the point of no return, where you, you can't you can't go buy them anymore because they're expensive. So you kind of have to buy like Olave, you have had to buy Chris Olave after week two, after two frustrating weeks. After week three, probably too expensive. Um, Garrett Wilson, you would have had the buy before. What's his explosion? Week one, uh, week two. You have when, when you, you you would have had the buy after week one. Like I think so. In week three, it was fifty-one to forty-nine Hall in favor of Carter, and then week four, it was up to sixty-six percent for Brees. Uh, Carter was still around forty-four, so he they played a little bit together, but. Brees Hall led the team in carries, targets, routes run, and obviously snaps out of the backfield. So 
I think you have to hold Carter and hope that there's a big reception game coming for him and you can sell him off of that. And with Brees, I think I'm trying to buy early and and predict that the breakout is coming because I do think it will happen at some point. Well, I will say with Carter, his receiving efficiency has been more effective, has been better than Brees Hall's. Mm -hmm. Brees Hall's been largely inefficient with his targets which would be one concern I have with Brees and one positive I can note. But my big thing is I really don't trust the way this Jets offense is run. And it almost seems like week to week, Robert Sala and company are just kind of rolling guys out there and seeing which running back is like doing better. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that's my big concern. I do agree with you that there's going to be a Brees Hall breakout. That is his, you know, the whole reason the Jets even drafted him was yep. that he had that big play ability. And I think that he's going to try to exercise that. Uh, my concern is just consistency behind it. I guess it would also depend for me on how high the owner is on Brees Hall. Yep, I, I would have to go look at rest of season rankings to see who's around him to kind of gauge public perception a little bit. But I just think I... If you buy and it works out, like it really works out, like that's the type of move, that that's the kind of high upside swing that can be a league winning swing if it hits. So that's just the type of moves I'm looking to make in in fantasy football. But I trust me, I totally get being hesitant buying a, a Jets player because you're not buying him for cheap right now. You're just not buying him for the blow up price yet because that hasn't yeah. because that hasn't happened. Uh, the New England Patriots. Uh, if you had to guess, I don't know if you looked before the podcast, where do you think Damian Harris ranks uh, through four weeks RB blank in scoring? 37. You will be shocked to learn that Damian Harris is the RB 15 through four weeks of, of fantasy football. Ramondre Stevenson is the RB 29, has come on a little bit the last couple of weeks. It's been rough, rough sledding for this offense by and large. I think we... We expected we expected that. I think we both thought the Patriots weren't going to be very good. We hope to be a little bit better for the backs, although RB15 and 29, if you just scrunch them a little bit closer together, I mean, that's pretty close to, like, the combined ADP mm-hmm. of those guys. It's just been shifted a little bit more toward Harris right now. Harris it hasn't just been touchdowns. He's been over 80 yards twice uh, this season, which, hey, if you can get a back to go over 80 yards half the time that also scores touchdowns, you take that <laughs> as a fantasy football yeah. manager. And then Ramondre Stevenson, not to the extreme of last year, but had another puzzling start to the year. He was a 25% snap share in week one, but he's been 55% or better the last three weeks, double digit touches in all of those games. And he's been 15 or more touches the last two weeks. 90 or more touches the last two weeks and been the RB15 himself the last two weeks. So things have gotten back on track there. I think I'm holding both guys and I'm starting both guys, even though Stevenson has burned you if you started him a couple of times. You look at their schedule going forward here, Lions, Browns, Bears, Jets, Colts. Nothing really scares you from a defense against the run game perspective. And nothing really scares you as far, like, I don't anticipate them getting blown out by any of those teams now. It could happen, but their schedule's been pretty tough to start the season outside of Pittsburgh. They had Pittsburgh within three other tough games. Um, I'm holding, and I'm starting both of these guys. I I think they're both low-end RB2s, high-end RB3s for the next month or so, and we can reassess. 
Yeah, I'm doing the same as you. I'm holding and I'm starting. I do have a couple concerns. One, somehow, without Mac Jones, this team like is going to get worse. Bailey Zappi might be the starting quarterback. And like it was a meme for me in the preseason to be like, I love this guy because he's a gunslinger. <laughs> but like in a real NFL game, you do not want to rely on that. I don't know what the Green Bay Packers were doing, letting letting they were offense. They were playing terrible. Is what they were doing. They were I, th- I think Rodgers had less than fifty yards passing at halftime. Yeah, absolutely terrible that they even let New England stay in that game. Um, Ramondre Stevenson though does lead all backs with force missed tackles through the first four weeks with 39. Mm-hmm. It's very impressive. He is what we thought he was. The problem is this Bill Belichick offense and his lack of like usage going forward. My biggest concern is Ty Montgomery's return off the IR by week six. Yep. That's what led to the week one, 25% snap share for Ramondre Stevenson. That's true. With That's him fair. back in the mix turns into a three headed monster where you don't want to start anybody and they're all they all become touchdown dependent. So I'm holding, and then I'm watching that return with Ty Montgomery, and then I might trade guys away. The guy I most want out of this backfield, though, and the only guy I'd probably trade for is Ramondre Stevenson because I think he's legitimately a really good back. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I think we're in in full agreement, and that's definitely a fair point on Ty Montgomery because uh, Stevenson. It's not like he's been living in the passing game. He's yeah. had good running days the last couple of weeks, but he's also had three, four targets and a couple of catches in those games too. And that kind of stuff definitely helps, definitely adds a little bit of floor to a player's profile. So that'll be something to watch. And boy, a guy who has had no floor, uh, the Buffalo Bills and James Cook. He is basically a zero right now, not feeling great about whatever our James Cook bet was preseason at this moment. Uh, Devin Singletary has been the opposite of that. Uh, from a real life perspective, I don't, I mean, this can still change, but I, I don't understand a second round pick on a guy to let Devin Singletary turn into an alpha in weeks three and four, but Hey, whatever floats your boat, Buffalo. I mean, I, I, I don't understand it, but Dalton, from a fantasy perspective, what are we to do with this backfield where Devin Singletary was a bench running back the first two weeks and he probably won you some matchups the next two weeks if you kept starting him. Well, the first thing I would say is if you're in like a 12-man redraft league, I'm probably dropping James Cook. He is droppable for sure. Um, Zach Moss is another dud. Like he's What's more annoying about Zach Moss is he's just there. Yes. The, <laughs> like, what's annoying about Zach Moss is that he exists on the Bills. Go exist um, somewhere else, man. Please. But – in this rain game against Baltimore, Jamison Crowder broke his ankle. He's out for the season. Mm-hmm. Isaiah McKenzie got injured. He's out at least this week for an unspecified period of time. That led to a, ten a, a, a concussion, right? Yeah, concussion. Um, that led to, to what was it? Ten targets for Devin Singletary and yep. a career high eighty-seven percent snap share, seventy-nine like, percent route participation, and James Cook played three percent of the snaps. I know they were losing twenty to three, so it wasn't really a hey, let's get the rookie in there. But that's the kind of game script that you would have thought would lead to James Cook opportunity. Well, and his one target, Josh Allen gave him a ball that was catchable, and James Cook didn't catch it. And just going back, like, it's been a pretty bad season for James Cook. Like, yep. he had the fumble week one. He has a couple of missed catches. He had one pass. Bl- he didn't break up a pass block in week two. 
Like he's had some things that he's really struggled with. Um, and then the Bills lied to us like every team lies to us. Like <laughs> yep. he's not going out wide playing slot receiver like we wanted to. I will say, if there's a week for it, to I was gonna happen, say, I think if you can, it, like if you have to drop him, I understand it. But if you could hold him for one more week, go ahead, Dalton, one more week. week. But like last week, we saw Clear Shakir came in and played those snaps. Yep. He's another guy you and I both like. Yep. Um, but I mean, I'm probably trading for Devin Singletary and trying yep. to convince that owner that he's not hyper valuable, but he is. Like, this is what you want Ceh to have in yep. the Chiefs' offense. It's a high-powered offense. He runs routes. He also gets to run the ball. Who cares that he sucks at running the ball because he gets like good work and Josh Allen distracts the defense half the time. So that's my takeaway. And if you draft a Devin Singletary in round ten, you're, you have a pretty solid team right now. Yep, I am pointing to the first two weeks where he wasn't very good fantasy wise. I am pointing to last season, being like, hey, th- this team can very easily just completely quit running the ball at any given time, and he like. You're selling him at an all-time high right now, but don't pay that that all-time high price quite. Try try and try and talk him down. I I, I think he he can be bought, and I am with you there. And speaking of Ceh, I mean, Mister Sell High himself, we have to talk about the, the Chiefs. I think at this point, so Ceh, I believe is on pace. I think I have this in my notes. Did you see his on pace stats that got put on Twitter today? No, but it's week four, so I know they're going to be absurd and annoying. He's uh, well. The total yards are great, but like, you know, comprehensible. He's on pace for eight hundred eighty-four rushing yards, about five hundred receiving yards. So basically, thirteen hundred yards, which I, I don't think will happen, but isn't crazy if he actually stays healthy all season. He's on pace for twenty-one touchdowns, which I do not think that will happen. But Eckler, is that you? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That that is a hundred percent who I was thinking of as, as I was doing this. What are we supposed to do with this huge backfield? With let's just start with Ceh and then briefly hit on the other two guys on the way out. You have the whole world telling you to sell high, Dalton. How can I sell high when everyone says sell high? At some point, there has to be somebody out there who actually thinks. That they're that they they should buy the guy at the price in order to sell at you know like it's just at some point it it doesn't make sense. Well, and you know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of Cordero Patterson last year. Everybody told you not happening, including yeah. us. Yeah, including us, and it just kept happening yep. and happening and happening, and that's the problem. Like Ch, uh, hand up has burned a ton of people <laughs> in fantasy football. And because of that, he is on everybody's shit list. Yep. Nobody wants anything to do with him. I, I mean, you ride the train because you you were taking him at like RB twenty four, exactly, as likely a flex, and you ride the train because you're getting like the ultimate zero RB thesis, which is yeah, this guy only plays sixty percent of the snaps, but if the even team scores he, a lot of he, he played half the snaps this week, and that may have I, I have to look at his game log, but that that may have been the most of his season so far. He he definitely is in a committee, but it just doesn't matter if you're the top guy in the committee of an offense that's this good. He is, what is he, like the RB3 or 4? And he had zero rushing yards in a game. Well, what you love to see is that impromptu amazing touchdown throw Sunday night by Mahomes (laughs) to CH. Like, when CH, like, is connecting with Mahomes on plays where they're unscripted, it's very good for you. 
What you don't like to see is the Colts game two weeks ago where Mahomes is pointing towards the hole and CH tries to bounce outside and doesn't get mm-hmm. the yards. Um, I, mean, I, th- being... I think that's also partially on the Chiefs. I think they just need to do a better job of using CEH in the plays, in the types of plays where he should be used. He's not a wide, like, don't run him to the outside. Run Pacheco on those plays, yeah. please. He's the one that has the juice to get to the outside and make the one cut. That is not CEH's game. Just run CEH behind that big offensive line. Let him get his five yards a carry behind one of the best offensive lines in the league. And by the way, 56% of the snaps, that was a season high by 12% his first week. Over 50%. His first week with more than 10 carries, he had 19 the other night. I think it's no coincidence that Andy Reid challenged the offensive line. Also, Shaq Barrett challenged the offensive line. They play great. The Chiefs look great, partially because the line's playing great. And in turn, the running game gets rolling. And when the running game gets rolling, the passing game can get rolling. So I think the running game is going – like this is not going to be the Bills where they – well, they will have stretches where they should be running the ball more. But by and large, I think they're going to run the ball a decent amount this year. And I'm with you. Like I've been thinking about this all week. And it's just like how do you you sell high on a guy that the whole world's telling you to sell high on? Do I think he's going to be a top five running back the rest of the way? No. I do not. So by that measure, yeah, he's a sell high. But if you took him at, at the RB 24 and you now have the RB 13, that's great. That's great for your team. That That is a huge value. And I kind of think that's what you have right now. I mean, he dropped a pass in the flat that could have been a touch. He could have had another touchdown the other night. And maybe be, I haven't looked at the, the full point standings. Let me Let me look over there right now. He could be challenging for the RB1 overall. Uh, He'd be close. He'd be the RB3, uh, maybe the RB, actually probably the RB2 right now. Jamal Williams is the RB3 right now, by the way, which is hilarious. Things that won't last. Talk about sell high, yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, look, I looked at the rest of season ranks on Fantasy Pros, and CEH was, like, early 20s, which was really not that much different than his draft price tell me who of these guys let's just play a name game here rest of season ceh or damian pierce ceh ceh for me too ceh or james robinson james robinson i'm going ceh it's close i think that robinson has the the underlying usage and i think they played the toughest game they're gonna play all season against Philly. That that that's for although they do play at the Chiefs still. Oh, I forgot about that. Second <laughs> toughest game. But but yes, I, I I agree with the point. I just think uh, I, I think it's very close. That was one of the closer ones on this list. Ceh or AJ Dillon. I'm going AJ Dillon because of that upside. But Ceh right now is actualizing that upside that AJ <laughs> Dillon has. So it's very close. Yeah, I'm going uh, Ceh there mm-hmm. as like a weekly start, but. If someone offered me like CH for AJ Dillon straight up and I had depth at running back, I might do that. CH or Miles Sanders? Oh, CH. CH for me as well. CH or Kareem Hunt? CH. Same for me. CH or James Conner? CH. CH for me as well. He's ranked behind all of those. Those are the guys directly ahead of him in rest of season ranks on Fantasy Pros. Not necessarily in that order, but like 
if you're not selling like if you're not selling him for any of those guys, what are you really selling him for? You know, I I just think you have to keep him, start him, be happy with the production because I I think there is still going to be production going forward. Well, this was the CEH thesis two years ago when he was drafted. It's that he's a good pass catcher. He doesn't need to run the ball a lot because he's going to catch a lot of passes. He's going to get touchdowns because the Chiefs score touchdowns. And he's doing it, and everybody just doesn't want to believe it because of what he's done to us. The only thing I would recommend is if you have, like, two other running backs on your team, don't be like, well, I got a good RB1, so I'm going to sell one of these guys right away. (laughs) He could still get hurt. And he could still suck. I don't know. Yes. Uh, Okay. Speaking of guys I think could still suck, let's go to Tampa Bay, Dalton, uh, and this backfield. I'll let you speak, being the resident Leonard Fournette uh, fantasy manager out of the two of us. What are you doing with this backfield? Fournette uh, at week four is coming off of his lowest snap share. They fall behind and just completely abandon the run against the Chiefs the other night. And Rashad White kind of showed a little something. Five targets, I think 50 receiving yards. He got the goal line work on the drive. We thought maybe Fournette had got hurt and we had missed it, but he that, that was not the case. What is the transaction for this backfield? Well, I'm very, I'm very confused by what happened in that game. I thought Bruce Arians was coaching the Bucks again <laughs> to wait because Fournette was questionable all week with a hamstring injury. Fournette suddenly is just not on the field. Rashad White's on the field. Then, and I am a literal Fournette dynasty owner and was in a very close game, so I was watching the game very closely. <laughs> and then Fournette's in and scores a receiving touchdown. And I was like, why wasn't he in the game? And there's still nothing that I could find that identifies what was going on there. It does look like the, the drive before Leonard Fournette missed a pass block, and it is Tom Brady, so there was a very likely a chance he just benched him for a period of time as, like, a learn-your-lesson. Yeah. Um, I'm not ready to go out and acquire Rashad White because I don't know if, like, this is actually going to be a thing yet. I'm not going to spend money on him. If he's free on waivers, I'm probably picking him up because he's a good insurance player. He he, he he's not going to be free with with yeah. the, with the hype in certain circles around his around him from just NFL draft earlier this year and the team that he's on. He's not going to be free. You're going to have to invest yeah. major fab to, to get him off waivers if you have not already have waivers. But we talked about him in pre-draft, and I'm still not like a major believer. Mm-hmm. His best skill set is his pass catching, which is what you want in this offense. And with Tom Brady. Like, the James White role feels like it would fit really close to him. But Tom Brady is, like, also really trusted Leonard Fournette for the last two years he's been there. So I'm just not ready to do it. I need to read more. Like, maybe next week if Leonard Fournette's at a 60% snap share, then I'm going all out and trying to acquire Rashad White and hoping he doesn't have a huge game. Uh, I'm not selling Fournette, but I'm also, like, not happy to have him right now either. Mm -hmm. I'm selling Fournette. I've been very much on the record. I, I've said this multiple times. I think Learn Fournette was the luckiest player in fantasy football last year. It, like, I think he's a fine player, but it was the ultimate case of right place, right time, nobody else here to do anything. Fournette was a workhorse guy. He is not – like he can catch the ball, but he is not a great pass-catching running back, and he just got that work because he was the lead back – on the team that employed Ronald Jones and Gio Bernard, neither of whom have yet have appeared in an NFL game to my knowledge yet this season. And then they bring in Rashad white who 
totally with you. Not the biggest fan of him um, as a prospect. But you said it. The one thing he can do is he can catch the ball. And if he starts to get that usage, which was 41% of the snaps, he gets 43% of the team's rushing attempts, which we're thinking will be more than like three or four rushing (laughs) attempts in future weeks. You know, he has a 37% route participation, 10% target percentage. He's going to have flex value, like bi-week flex value, if that continues. I'm not looking to go buy him yet, and I still think right now with the uncertainty of White, because it, it was only one week, and Fournette still produced the other night. I just think I'm trying to get out now on Fournette because I am worried what it could turn into. I think White brings some much-needed juice uh, to their passing game out of the backfield for this team and should continue to play in that type of role. And Fournette will still be useful. Like, I'm not going to sell him for nothing, but I, I still I think his value right now is higher, like, obviously for anybody barring injury. But, like, barring injury, I think his value is certainly higher now than it will be in a month. That, that's my That's my take. Yeah, I'm I'm not as sold on that as you are. Obviously, I mean, in Fournette's defense, which is something I wouldn't have wanted to have uttered in a year, <laughs> uh, he did beat out Gio Bernard last year for that pass catcher role, which means something to me because yep. Gio Bernard is a talented pass catcher. He, he basically usurped him entirely, mm-hmm. and I do just think the leash is going to be shorter with Rashad White. If he makes a mistake here or there, I could see the Bucks just say, you know, you're back on pass pro. It, every five snaps, See, that's what you get. I know it wasn't on offense, but the thing that gives me a little bit of confidence, he made about as big a mistake as you can. Fumbled the opening kick in that game. And they still just seemed like they wanted to get him involved and get him in that game. So that at least shows some level of trust and some level of, we just need to get this guy on the field. Uh, so it, it could happen. I'm just trying to read tea leaves because that's all we can do because coaches, as you said, they lie. And right now I'm just trying to grip on anything I can. And he got more trust than I would have expected uh, for a guy that fumbled the opening kick in that game. Yeah. I do also think the Bucs were getting shellac so hard. They were probably throwing whatever they could out there to see what would stick. That's true. That's very true. Okay. The Eagles. Uh, This one pains me to say. I'm dropping Kenny Gainwell, man. I I don't think Kenny Gainwell has value on your roster right now. Boston Scott is still there. He is still existing, still taking carries. He's there to the point of if something happened to Miles Sanders, I don't think Gainwell would be the no-brainer like top guy. He'd be the top guy in a two- or three-headed committee. And... If a guy is going to be a lead guy in a committee when an injury happens and he has no standalone value without that injury happening, I just don't think he's worth a roster spot in a 12-team league. Like Because it's Miles Sanders, because of his history, because in week three I literally sent you a tweet laughing about how he showed no vision on a run – I am not going to totally buy into what he did in week four, but what he did in week four was like wildly impressive. He played a great game, had, I believe, like 27 carries, something insane. Gainwell happened to score a touchdown, vultured one of them, but 
Sanders was a workhorse. He looked good. Ran with some vision. Again, I don't think that's going to continue. But th- this drop, K- Kenneth Gainwell, is almost more about... I'm just discouraged by his usage so far this season. He's yet to, between rushes and receptions, reach double digits in touches in a game this year, which I I like Kenny Gainwell, so I would have thought he would have, and maybe he still will, but I just would have thought there would have been more opportunity for him. And right now, Miles Sanders has more targets and receptions than him, just barely. So he's not even the true passing down back right now uh, on this team. Um, you didn't even say his name. Trey Jaylen. Sermon got two touches. Trey Sermon did yards. get two touches, and he was he was uh, he was in the back of my mind. He was in the back of my mind, and he was out there. Uh, if if something were to happen to Miles Sanders, like Trey Sermon, might just be a factor. And, and let me let me just show this uh, this tweet. This is I'm not mad about Hertz not throwing this like some are because Hertz scored a touchdown on this play. This is also part of why a passing down back doesn't have great value in this offense. The quarterback scored a touchdown right here. In a lot of offenses, that's the running back's touchdown. But it's Jalen Hurts. He is a great runner. He is going to look to do that. So so that's just another factor here. Well, and the worst thing is, is it's really hard to talk to a situation where this gets better. Mm-hmm. Like in the offseason, if you told me the Eagles were fifth in pass rate above yes. expectation, I would tell you that means Kenneth Gainwell is the guy in that backfield. Exactly. He's clearly not. Um, I I'm not going to say that Miles Sanders isn't good. What I will say is that Miles Sanders is very much benefiting from an amazing quarterback play from Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. He's drawing defenders. And a great which, offensive line. And a great offensive line, yes. The pass game is working in a way that they can't just put eight in the box like they were able to late last year. Um, but I would be surprised if the Eagles re-signed Miles Sanders at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Trey Sermon comes the guy. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, I do think Kenny Gainwell is very droppable, along with Boston Scott and Trey Sermon should not be rostered by anybody except for dynasty teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miles Sanders will continue to be the guy. I'm not looking to buy him. I think that as a player, they're, like he could start making mistakes and you could put any of the four backs on this team in that backfield and they would look just as good as he does with that usage. Mm-hmm. So that would be why I don't want to buy him. Um, and... At the end of the day, I think it's the Jalen Hurts show. What I will say is the Eagles' rest of season outlook is so easy that whoever is the starting running back on that team is just going to put up points because they're going to bully teams every week. Mm-hmm. With you there, um, is your is your take uh, is your transaction to drop Gainwell as well? Are you just holding Sanders? Or I would drop Gainwell and I would sell Sanders for a more talented back who's underperformed. Like if I could get Dalvin Cook, that's someone I would be looking at. If the Jonathan Taylor owner is scared and, you know, one in three, Miles Sanders and like an Adam Thielen kind of deal is something I'd be looking at. Yeah, I, I think Jonathan Taylor has more points through four weeks this year than he did last year. Just keep that in mind. Uh, yeah, he will be on there. the buy sell next week. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, the Dolphins. We've got two more before we jump out of here. Let me give you this little blind resume of this backfield of the last two weeks. I'm sure you will know this, but this this could possibly surprise people. 11 carries, 4 targets, 47 yards, and 3 touchdowns. That is, that is player A. Player B, Miles Gaskin. Player B, 23 carries, 5 targets, 92 yards, but 0 touchdowns. The first is Chase Edmonds. The second is Raheem Mostert. 
And I think this makes Chase Edmonds the face. Like, CEH is the face of the sell high movement. Chase Edmonds is the under the radar face of the sell high movement to me. What, what's your take on this backfield? Um, I'm selling Chase Edmonds as, as quickly as I can. Mm-hmm. The thing that sucks about this team right now is Tua is out, and I think it impacts the value of everybody on the team. But Chase Edmonds, after week one, like week one was like the the Logan Thomas week of underlying stats are there for Edmonds. We're using him. Yep. And then weeks two through four have been, just kidding, it's Raheem Mostert's backfield, and Chase Edmonds comes in in, in the goal line, yep. uh, which is going to be frustrating. Raheem Mostert should be very cheap because nobody should be – like if someone's really trying to get him from you, I just don't understand – why he wouldn't be tradable. I would want to own him at this point. He has yet to do his signature Raheem Mostert 90-yard touchdown run, which he will inevitably have this season. And I would like him on my roster for that. So I'm buying Mostert where I can. And I, if I own Chase Edmonds, he is, he's getting sold very quickly. Yep. Yep. He he can get sold on the strength of three touchdowns in two weeks. Uh, You're going to have to sell to a box score watcher, not, not a game watcher because week four, it was a 72-28% split between these two, with Mostert being the 72. Just for reference, that is the same percent as Najee Harris had in the Steelers' backfield in Week 4, and that is a higher snap percentage than Derrick Henry had in the Titans' backfield this week. I'm not saying that is going to continue, but he is getting workhorse snaps right now. And basically workhorse everything. It was 17 to 7 in terms of touches, goal line snaps, 3 to 1. And of course, the 1 for Edmonds was the shovel pass touchdown. Uh, and then two minute drill. Like you would think Chase Edmonds in the two minute drill, he was the pass catcher in Arizona. That is how he got his points before he came to Miami. It was 6 to 0 in favor of Mostert in the two minute drill in week four. On the early downs, it was dominant, 32 to 13. Even on third downs, again, you would think the pass catcher of the two. It was four to three in favor of Mostert. He is just playing more in every phase of the game. And I'm not necessarily, like, I'm not saying go buy high on Mostert. Go, go, go buy cheap. I think you could probably still get him for cheap because people are afraid of him getting hurt. Rightly so. But right now, he's a back you can start. He plays the Jets this week, so it's a nice matchup. I thought it was funny. McDaniel said that he's seen some, quote, really cool things from Mostert over the past couple of weeks that have added to the running game. And then he did mention that both guys would continue to play, um, and, and he would sprinkle in Edmonds kind of as needed. So I think Mostert is the lead guy, and I am selling Chase Edmonds as quickly as I can, like you said. Yep, yeah, Absolutely. Um, and I think you can get Mostert for pretty cheap because he still has his usage still hasn't led to like that big game that you want out of him. Yep, he, he was stopped inside the two yard line a couple of times the other night, which bad for you if you started him, good for you if you want to trade for him this week. Okay, Dalton, last one. I personally can go pretty quick on this. The LA Rams. You have Daryl Henderson, you have Cam Akers, and you have me running in the opposite direction. If someone's asking me if I want to trade for them, and if either of those guys are on my team, they are firmly planted on my bench until until further notice. Like I'm I'm just not starting 
either guy. You can't trade either guy, though, because everybody knows how bad it's been for for this offense and then for these backs. Uh, This first month, eight touches for 13 yards on Monday Night Football for Cam Akers. Not going to do much for the trade value. 10 for 39 for Henderson. A little better, but, but not much. He played most of the, like, trying to rally snaps, like the come from behind snaps. The reason for that, uh, Jake Ellen Bogan noted on Twitter in his 92 career snaps and pass protection, Dale Henderson has only allowed four pressures in his career. Cam Akers has allowed four in 45 of those snaps. So Henderson, clearly the superior pass blocker. It's why he is among the top running backs and like routes run and all that stuff through the first month. So maybe you can sell him off of that and just not have a Rams guy on your team. I just think you have to hold, and you're holding out hope that the 68% snap share for Cam Akers eventually turns into something. But this offense is just a little bit worse in about every way than last year, which has turned into a much worse offense than last year. For everybody except Cooper Cup, it is killing them, killing their fantasy value. Yeah, I'm selling both for whatever I can get. I just I, like what can you even sell them for? Can I get the Devin Singletary under to trade Cam Akers for Devin Singletary? Is there like a name value trade out there for that? You you keep talking. I am going to go look up uh, rest of season ranks and see who's around Cam Akers. Um, but I mean, this is like nightmare scenario for the Rams. They are they've fallen off the face of the planet. That offensive line is absurdly bad. Matt Stafford is just not making the correct reads. And towards the end of last season, like his his interception itis kind of showed itself, but it's on full display now. Like he's making very bad throws. And if I see one more bunch formations where it's Higby, Skronik, and Cup on one side and then Allen Robinson on the other, and like Matt Stafford is just staring at the bunch formation the entire time, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with this offense. These guys can't catch passes either because they have to stay back at pass block because yeah. that Stafford needs them back there. Yep. I'm just not in love with it at all. I thought it was funny, Sean McVay today, he, someone asked him about Allen Robinson, and he basically said a, a lot of his struggles, a lot of that is out of his control, <laughs> which, is, which is true, but unfortunate. Okay, Cam Akers, rest of season on Fantasy Pros, is the RB37, and he is around uh, some interesting names, to say the least. Travis Etienne, two spots ahead. I think I would take Cam Akers and just pray at that point the volume returns. I might take Etienne and just hope Robinson gets injured. (laughs) One spot ahead is Damian Harris. I think I would take Damian Harris in a trade straight up. Um, Tyler Algier, one spot behind. I mentioned Cam Akers is a guy I would trade Algier for. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm taking Cam Akers at Chase Edmonds at 39. I am taking Cam Akers over Edmonds still. One that is interesting, and this would take a lot of guts on a lot of different levels to go make this trade. At RB40 is Brian Robinson, who, great story. Round of applause for Brian Robinson. Back at practice already. Obviously, everybody knows what, what happened with him. If you can bring yourself to trade Cam Akers for a guy who literally got shot in the leg two months ago, like power to you. It could it could definitely work out. That's just such that's just such a big leap. That's so tough. I, I don't know. What what would you do in that scenario? 
Oh, I'm doing You're gonna have to, your, your internet just like died right there. You're gonna have to say that again. Oh great. I, I I don't believe in Cam Akers. I would do it. I would legitimately just run and trade him for Brad Robinson. Raheem Mostert, RB forty one, I think I would take Mostert. Cordero Patterson, even with him missing the next month, I just if if but you know, you're not starting Cam Akers for the next couple of weeks anyway. You may as well trade for a guy that at least in a couple of weeks you know will be back and you do want to start him when he comes back, I would take Cordero. So there are some options if you do want to trade him, uh, but it's it's going to be gross. It's not going to be very palatable because you took him in the third, fourth, fifth round, wh- wherever it was in your draft, and you're trading him for the guy who is RB40 rest of season, you know, but it, it's been bad. Yeah, I, yeah I'm just trying to sell both those players. I'm probably trying to sell anybody I have. Allen Robinson, by Cooper Cup, not selling him. Allen Robinson, uh, talk about a guy who's droppable. He He's droppable. Like, I wouldn't drop him yet, but if you have to drop him, like, I, I can't say I blame you. Like, there's so many injuries. So many teams are in tough spots. Bye weeks are coming up. We're getting to the point where he's just going to be too hard to hold if he's not producing. And what was he, two catches for 15 yards? The other yeah. night, and he's had one game where he's produced, but it was still, it was like, you know, it was like four for 50 something and a touchdown. So you'll yeah. take it, but it wasn't like, heck yeah, like this is what I draft him for. That, that's still not what you draft him for. Well, I'll, I'll just say this I know we're not on this topic, but like, it's nothing's more frustrating than the targets he's getting are like Matt Stafford looking in the end zone. And I'm, I bet in his head, Sean McVay's like, I told you, you idiot. When you're in the red zone, you throw down Robinson, and he's throwing up these like jump and catch the ball, like no separation coverage snaps. Like it's just so annoying. There was one sack Stafford had where Robinson hit his outbreaking route. He was wide open, and like Stafford's just not even looking in the direction of Robinson. Mm-hmm. It's sad. He yep. should be better this year. I hate his <laughs> career director. It is unfortunate he should have uh, should have taken the Juju route, come to the Chiefs. Not that Juju is exactly, like, thriving, but he's at least having a lot more fun than Alan Robinson at the moment. Dalton, anything else to add uh, before we, we call the night? I'm just ready for KU football to be 6-0. KU football, college game day. I'll be in the stadium. Absolutely electric. That is going to do it for episode 85 of the Half Point Per Podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Half Point Per Pod. Subscribe to the YouTube, search Half Point Per Podcast. That link to all of those things in the show notes. There will be no waiver show again this week because our beloved Chiefs are Monday Night Football. We are not recording that during Monday Night Football, so we'll put out another quick video on that this week and... Be back to normal waivers the week after that. I think our show is available anywhere you listen to podcasts, most notably Spotify, Apple, etc. Five-star reviews are very much appreciated if you can leave them. And we will talk to you guys again next week. Bye.